Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to our first quarantine episode of The Nerd's Corner. I'm Philip Kaho, and I'm currently very far away from my co-host, Wen Han Hu. Hey, Phil. I hope you're doing well. Um, so our show has been on hiatus for a little over a month, so we do apologize. We hope everyone's safe at the moment. We know it's difficult times personally for uh, even for us, and we thought, you know what, let's do something lighthearted. Let's do something fun uh, for a change. And what better way than to bring the nerds back together? That's right. And for those of you who, uh, I know we prom- we've we been promising an episode. I actually went and I think it's been two months now since we had our last episode. So oh, again, yeah. we apologize for that because, but I think you, you all understand the situation that's happening and we, we all hope you're safe and sound. So, and this week, we're gonna, our very first ba- episode back, we're going to be talking about a trilogy that means, uh, dare I say it a lot to me in one hand, it's one of, uh, well, it's personally one of my favorite movies. Well, I, I consider all of them my favorite movie, so that, that gives me a little bit of a, of a cheat when people ask me what my favorite movie is. But uh, yeah, uh, so that way we don't... So guys, if you haven't seen them yet, I, I'm sure those of you who know who we are, you have an idea of what, what movies we're talking about. But for those of you who haven't seen the Lord of the Rings trilogy yet, just stop doing anything and just go watch the Lord of the Rings movies right now. They are, I mean, they're absolute classics. I think they're considered one of the best trilogies like ever. Um, Lord of the Rings uh, with their, I mean, Star Wars are up there with Lord of the Rings. But I think for me personally, I think Lord of the Rings are just stunning. Like everything about them, I think it makes for it makes the best trilogy for me at least i i i wholeheartedly agree with you Wenhan. and then the critics agree with us too because lord of the rings is one of the only fantasy movies to have won the best well it it won it for return of the king but it actually won it for the entire trilogy it won the best picture award it was actually for when the return of the king was nominated at the academy awards i'm pretty sure it was it won every category it was nominated for so it just goes to show like it's not it's not only the nerds who live uh in their mom's basements who love this movie it who loves these movies they're beloved worldwide well maybe not worldwide they're beloved by a lot of different people definitely well it's it's almost been what 20 years um since the fellowship of the ring was was released i think it was in 2001 am i correct we're nine yeah yeah the first one came out uh a little before i was born so 2001 yeah okay and um i think peter jackson made the two towers the next year and then return of the king in 2003 is that right well actually i think they were released in oh yeah released years but they were all filmed in like one shot so like they like when they start recording the start filming uh, the fellowship of the ring they didn't stop until they just finished the return of the king yeah that would make more sense because you know um all, like a film, a Lord of the Ring film is like three hours. I, I doubt they could produce that. Well, like make a film that long and of that quality in like one year. So you're you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And guys, even though it's three hours, don't be afraid. It'll go. It'll go by so fast. It is. You 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 won't regret it. Yeah. Even watch the extended editions. I think they're even. They're like an additional forty minutes. I um, think yeah, they're like four hours each. I think roughly. The ones on Netflix are are they? I, no, the one, or... I'm, I'm pretty sure they're the, the regular ones because I remember seeing that they're three hours. Oh, okay. Okay, so they're regular. Okay, so I haven't I haven't even watched extended versions then. 
me neither but people keep telling me i should though because like a lot i know a lot of people say that the extended edition they prefer the extended edition to their theatrical version really i mean probably because they're longer and who wouldn't want more of you got yeah you get more lore of the rings okay so um i guess we could split up today's episode into three acts um we'll start off by you know exploring the world building of uh, of middle earth and then the second act we'll talk about the characters like the ensemble cast in general and uh, we'll finish it up by filling up small details we've missed the music the score even awards and just what we love about lord of the rings So uh, to start things off, for those of you who don't know, the Lord of the Rings trilogy is based on the novels written by J.R.R. Tolkien. So Middle-earth was his own idea. And I think what helps a lot for uh, the world building in this movie is the fact that Hobbits, the main character, well, the main characters in both The Hobbit, the book, that pre, that, the, the prequel per se, uh, for Lord of the Rings, is that the, the Hobbits, they they don't tend to adventure a lot. So they stay into their, they stay at their home, they're the Shire. So the fact that they, we, we basically explore the world with the main characters. So I think in a way that makes it a lot, um, makes a lot more memorable for us in a way. Well, well, well like, especially since they uh, they explore, um, well, like when they see, when they see, when we see, learn about new locations, they learn about them too. So like if when they go to Rivendale, the beautiful city of the elves, which is sounding very nerdy when I'm saying it out loud, <laughs> is they, they, they see it mad. They, we, along with the main characters, see how majestic it is for the first time. And I think that that's why Middle Earth has stayed with so many viewers and readers for so long is because it, it, it's like we're, we're on our own quest of exploration with the main character, with, with the hobbits the original trilogy starting with the fellowship of the ring i think we as as a viewer of the film we embark on the journey with frodo with sam and i think we are transported to a whole other universe and i think that's the magic of you know epic fantasies peter jackson's done a, such a great job at taking us along on the adventure usually a three-hour film you'd feel you're like your butt would hurt and like you'd feel really bored at the end usually but for every single lord of the ring films i was just captivated from the first moment until the very end i, th I think you know being there with frodo seeing the places like you said from frodo's eyes in the middle earth i think it's just very very captivating no, I actually, I've like you talked about your butt hurting. I, well, your the lack of your butt hurting. I've actually, I actually one time I did a marathon of all three movies back to back. You did, okay. It is. That's, so it's, that's it's on that, my bucket it's, list. It's definitely doable, but it is definitely your butt will hurt. I think it, your eyes, like you, you would start seeing spots at the end of the second film. Well, it it doesn't like as long as I have the mental image of of Lord of the Rings in my head, I I don't care about the spots I see with my eyes. But it's it's that like, I it's as bad as the glutes workout. I would say, <laughs> just in terms of just sitting there and watching it for hours. I think Tolkien, to he came up with the whole universe himself. I think like there yeah. was no, there's nothing like Middle Earth prior to to Lord, the Lord of the Rings. So it's just 
mind-boggling how he came up with this complete universe with its different people, with different languages, cultures. Like the universe is so complete; it's got everything you would you would think like in like a like an epic universe would have from Rivendell from to the Shire to Isengard to Mordor Lord of the Rings when we think of that we think Middle Earth and the two are so are so tightly knit and it's so well done by well Tolkien first of all for thinking of all of that and then Peter Jackson stunning job bringing all of this to life yeah and he actually well you talked about the languages and the culture well Jared Tolkien was actually a really big perfectionist so I think what we see in the movies isn't even the extent to which he cre- like he, he I think he wrote like entire languages for his people since he, he was a linguist I think that's what he taught in university yeah so he really focused on like I think it's the fact that he focused on such such small details because what separates it like what makes it a giant in the in the in the world of epic fantasy and the reason why I think we can get transported so easily is that it, it the the world itself is it, we it's not like you don't feel like it's being developed as we're going on you know it's like we we feel like it like it's always been tolkien, there yeah it's always been there like he like well, gr tolkien already knew what he was doing like uh, like this the the the, the story uh, is like it, like the thing is uh, like if you would write a, a book set in our world you wouldn't take necessarily you wouldn't spend so much like like pages describing what's happening in our world, right? You take it for, um, you'd assume that we know some things about the world and that we, there's like things that aren't relevant to the story. Well, I think with that, with J.R. Tolkien is that he basically created this entire world so that when he writes his story in it, it seems like it's so tightly knit that the the world is real. And that's, I think is perfect for a moment, for a moment such as these where we're like, we can just stay indoors. Well, we can go into this completely different reality that's so w- super developed. Like he actually wrote an entire book on. Well, granted, it's not a very good book because it's really hard to get through because it's written Similarly. like a textbook. Yeah, the the Silmarillion. Yeah, which was basically like I call Have you it. Read the, it? It's the Bible, right? Of the yeah, Middle it's like Earth. it's like it's like the Bible, of the Middle Earth. Like it, it's written like the Bible, which is really off-putting. Mm-hmm. But I, well, I've. I've gone halfway through and then I stopped, but okay. I learned a lot. I learned. Is it is it long? Where I haven't read it. It's like four hundred pages. It's not that oh, wow. long. Okay. It's just okay. like, it's not written as a narrative. It's written as world building. So, okay. but I think like the, the the fact I think that that the fact that he wrote so many notes and so much history to his world is what allows it to feel a lot more real because it's not like the world starts with the story itself like it, it like you like since there's so much history it i think there's a lot more uh there's a lot more to explore already there i think tolkien made it so that the story and the world is one and then peter jackson's done a great job at bringing all of that to life and onto the big screen and i i, I think even before there were movies the books were quite popular even then yeah well i know i know just side note, but I, I've seen I think interviews with the cast where uh, even the cast hasn't read the, haven't read the book. Some of it, some of them haven't read the book. Like the actor playing Samwise Gamgee, uh, I think he's admitted that he's never actually heard about the Lord of the Rings before filming 
uh, before filming began. So he went ahead and he read the whole series and then he learned everything there was to to know about his character. And, you know, it's just funny because I think even though the books were popular, I think the films really just brought the Lord of the Rings to the next level to, oh, to, to that level of, you know, of, of almost reverence that even 20 years later, we could talk about it in awe and, and still love it as if, you know, as though we've watched it for the first time. Well, I think what, like with the movies, it really got integrated into popular culture because, well, ju- just the fact that they're movies, right? They're a lot there. It's a lot. It's an ex- more accessible medium for a lot of people, especially since the books like de- like depending on how you like your books written, it might not be everyone's cup of tea, which is perfectly fine. But I think the movies, they appeal to a, a really big audience like and there's so mu- there's so much for everyone in those movies. And I think that's why a lot of like we still talk about them 20 years later even if the hobbit happened like seven years later but you still talk we still talk about it a lot less yeah well i mean can you imagine what it feel like to watch the lord of the rings on the big screens when it premiered that is this that that is why i'm very disappointed i was sadly just born when the movies came out is because i really want to experience that for myself like just see on a big screen yeah, well, I know. I know some theaters actually rerun the the films. I think I I always wanted to go to one of those, but uh, hopefully one day, you know what? When they're rerunning it, we should probably go together and just watch. Oh, I'd, I'd be Definitely. super down for that. Yeah, and maybe maybe our butts will hurt after nine hours of uh, in the movie theater, but I, I think it's worth it. You know what? It's definitely worth it. So um, I think we the the audience knows how much we love the world of Middle Earth. So maybe we should. Uh, I think when we're this is part two of the podcast now. Throughout the three films, I think just the ensemble cast of the Lord of the Rings is just so complete. It's such an amazing cast. I'm thinking of uh, uh, Viggo Mortensen, um, who's oh. one of my favorite actor, like of like all time. Ian um, McKellen. Yeah. Yeah, Ian Sean, McKellen. Sean Astin. Yeah, Christopher Lee, the late Christopher Lee. You oh, know, actually, so- fun fact about Christopher Lee. Um, the, well, I remember, like, he was one of the, I think, one of the cast members who he, uh, I remember reading somewhere that he's read the book, the Lord of the Rings trilogy every year. Like, he, he really? once every year. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was a hardcore fan. Well, I just, now, now that I know that, I just love him even more. I mean, I, I think some of those, I think it's a perfect balance, at least at the time, it was a perfect balance of experienced actors and then these new these new names that we haven't seen before on, on the big screens. Yeah. I'm thinking about uh, Orlando Bloom as Legolas. Um, I don't think prior to The Lord of the Rings, he was in anything significant. I think a lot of these actors got their start with The Lord of the Rings, even Vigo Mortensen, I think that's what he was most known for when he played. Yeah. The... yeah. Well, I would argue it's also still what he's most known for. But I yeah. mean, he, he was nominated, I think, for uh, I think the Green Book was it the that Green came Books. out. Yeah. Have you watched it? It's really I good. I have not seen it yet. Yeah, but... it's, a, it's a great movie. A lot of these actors, Orlando Bloom, Mortensen. Uh, I don't know about Hugo Weaving, but I think. A lot of them got their start from The Lord of the Rings, and then 20 years later, that's what they're known for. And I think that's just such an amazing thing to be known for. Yeah, I was Aragorn. Just telling that to your kids, you know, I played Aragorn or I played Legolas. 
it's just uh i think it's just amazing and what i really like is that the like how they're all the, there's not one hero necessarily who ha follows the hero archetype maybe mm -hmm. aragorn would be the most in terms of just like he's the one who set like the sacrificing hero that but i i feel like there's a fact like my, one of my favorite characters really is samwise gamgee oh yeah because just like he's the character who shows a lot of the most like emotional vulnerability and i and, like the fact that he's also the kindest character and it's not portrayed as a flaw but his greatest strength is something like especially like since he, he shows compassion to frodo even after in return to king when like frodo takes Gollum's side over his like sat like once he realizes frodo's in danger he he still comes running up to save um to, to save him so I, I one of my i love samwise gamgee just the fact that like he's so emotionally honest and earnest and i think that's something that even today like in terms of like uh the kind of heroes we see in epic fantasy like the kind of like like the, the the brave, courageous ones that like laugh in the face of danger. I feel like Samwise Gamgee is like a breath of fresh air in terms of that, just because of he like, I he, he's like to me he's one of the most realistic characters because he's like, he's not this powerful warrior. I think the the best part about Samwise is that he wouldn't consider himself a hero. That just makes him even you know, he's a best friend nobody deserves basically. Like especially when um, at the end of Two Towers, when there's a con when he has a conversation with Frodo, it's like um, when how he would say that they would sing they would sing songs about Frodo, and they would tell stories about him, and then Frodo would say would say, well, I want to hear about Sam uh, Samwise the Brave. Like I wouldn't have gone, oh, like, yeah. Frodo wouldn't have gone very far without Samwise the Brave. Of course, while I was crying, I uh, I was I deeply enjoyed that scene just because of like it like the, the fact. Yeah, how much humanity it gives them. He also has some amazing speeches, which I would recommend. Be like, especially in these trying times, just the fact that like they're so uplifting and like the in the face of like in the face of complete darkness, he still holds on to this hope, even though he, even though he struggles for it, he still believes in helping Frodo and helping the people. And I I think I've I I love Samwise Gamgee. He's he's. I, I can't I can't carry it for you. But I can't carry. I you. carry you. Oh my I, god, that was the most magical line. But I think I, I think the magic of uh, of the series is that you know the ensemble cast is so big. There's so many characters, and yet they've managed to give some individuality to each and every one of those characters, and give some time to uh, give a spotlight to every character. I'm thinking about Sean Bean's um, uh, what's his name? Yeah, Boromir. I think just his story was, you know, even though he only appeared in one film, a little dark touch to the first film. But also one thing I, I found added depth to his character was also the fact that he understood that he was corrupted by the ring in a way and really tried to redeem himself in the end. Yeah. So like that kind of like, like the, the fact that like no one, you, even though you can't find your way, doesn't mean you're lost. So I, I really enjoyed that part too. And I think added depth to that character. Yeah, I think there's definitely that the friend. I'm thinking about the friendship between uh, Legolas and Gimli. Best bromance um, of all time. Unlikely friendship, but uh, what's that line? How about dying si alongside a friend? Oh <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's um. Well, what's that line? It's um. I never thought I'd die side by side with an elf. How about a friend? 
Yeah, and, and he then, says, "Hi, I can do that." This moment is filled with like I. This moment is filled with such sweet moments that I think sometimes don't get the note like the the appreciation they're due because I feel like especially those small little character moments, like as but like with Samwise and Frodo or Legolas and Gimli, like the bonds that they share, I think is something that is really important and something that I really love about the movies. Yeah, well, I think even supporting characters, I'm thinking Hugo Weaving's uh, Lord Elrond, also Arwen. These are supporting characters, but they're giving their moments to shine throughout the three films. And they're giving scenes. Um, I'm, I'm thinking Arwen, you know, the horse, the horse chase um, in the Fellowship oh, yeah. of the Ring. I think I think that just made her really badass. Um, also, also Lord Elrond, I think he hadn't had that much screen time. Just the conversations he's had with Aragorn, the conversations he's had with Arwen, um, really gives a lot of depth to his character as well. Elwin, right in the Two Towers, I think that was one of the most epic uh, scenes in that in the second movie when he says, "When uh, the daughter of of Theodrin, yeah, uh, when when his daughter just comes up and saves his father from the from the Nazgul, the Black Riders like." Uh, no man can kill me, and then Elwin comes up and she says, uh, "But I, I am, am no man. man. I am no man." Just all of these small scenes—they make even the supporting characters so memorable. You take any other movie with like that many characters, and you'd have at least a handful of them who are forgettable. But in the Lord of the Rings, I think every like every characters mattered yeah, or had well, a little bit of individuality, which made them so unique or special. Like they they all had their badass moments. It's like an Aowen guys. If you're not gonna watch the entire series, you need to watch Aowen. I am no man scene. It is one of the most. It is a really cool moment and probably one of the coolest moments in the entire battle in the Return of the King. And you you, you should just pause the, the the pause the podcast right now and go check it out. I don't think it's it shouldn't be longer than a minute. I think so. It's definitely worth your time. And yeah, like I think the fact also there's. The, the fact that there's like a few storylines in the movie too, like the fact that and then they can rotate in between the storylines help helps the movie go faster in a way. Like I, I think especially in two two towers and Reserve the King, yeah, where a bunch of characters split their split paths. Well, yeah, so, at the end of the uh, Fellowship of the Ring, the storyline split into yeah. Samwise and Frodo's Merry and Pippin's, and then Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli's. Uh, yeah. three different story storylines so yeah so they see so they wrote they like they rotate and i feel like that's why personally well if i was to choose a favorite movie in the entire trilogy i would personally say so two towers because just the fact that like they're all there's these three separate storylines that are happening simultaneously and that they get alternated and i'm i was personally really interested in all three of them so the fact that they kept rotating and they kept like just that narrative style really kept it interesting lord of the rings has such a good balance between good and the evil characters there's a really good balance between aragorn and company and then on the other side you have sauron who doesn't appear in the film well he does appear but like very briefly but you know you have the bad characters like um like saruman and even gollum to a certain extent and speaking of gollum i think he is such an interesting character i think he's my favorite character from the whole trilogy like i'm not i'm not talking about like likability but just as a character when it comes to depth when it comes to even his uh voice acting the voice actor is just so good backstory his split personality i think it all comes together and makes for such an interesting character um he's not very likable of course but he could be cute and really scary at the same time and the animation paired with the with the voice 
I think it makes for one of the most classic character of all times. And they asked like the voice. Yeah, the, I think you talked about the voice too. Like what, it's an extremely iconic. Like the my precious. I'm not doing it well because a puberty hit, but um, like the just the way he says my precious. It, like uh, like just just his voice in general. I think is already pre is really iconic, and yet like I yeah I absolutely love the character too. Like just uh, what I especially loved is that in Two Towers, I remember he tries to turn good. Like he genuinely wants to help mm -hmm. Frodo when his like when he tries to overcome his obsession with the the ring and like renounce his kind of darker personality side. But then it comes back when he thinks that Frodo betrayed him. So like there's this back and back and forth with is he good? Is he bad? Is he like? And it's just I think it shows a struggle. And I feel like it's one of the uh, it's a really interesting struggle in terms of that, like it's happening with him. And I think it was also really cleverly displayed the fact that he was usually talking to his reflection and the reflection would be either the like either like the reflection was usually the bad side. And we like the camera would go towards Gollum's face when he was trying to like talk about helping Frodo and then it turned to the reflection when it was about like getting the one ring for himself. So, I, 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 yeah, like you. I, I'm gonna have to agree with you on that for one hand. I really love that character too. Yeah, I mean, he goes from the cute, you know, but master wants to help us, Gollum, to the to the just completely terrifying. Let's kill the fat hobbits, is um, <laughs> Gollum. So he just the split personalities. So it's just terrifying, and I think even the uh, the the CGI. I don't know what it's called, but like you know, the animation. Just the eyes that Gollum ha has, I think, is just so well done. Voice, animation, and the backstory, Smeagol. I think the two towers started with uh, Smeagol's backstory. I think uh, that Return of the King started with Smeagol's uh, backstory. Return of the King, yeah, sorry. So I think he has so much depth to him and such a great backstory as well. So makes for a really interesting character. And what do you think about um, Gandalf? I think that's another iconic character from... Oh, yeah, definitely. Gandalf's the, you know, another character that, you know, 20 years later we say Gandalf and we associate that immediately with the Lord of the Rings. I think to a certain extent, he had he's so iconic that even though he doesn't... I don't think he appears as much as, you know, characters like, uh, like Aragorn or Not Frodo. Really. Yeah. But... Just yeah, the fact he, that he's he, so iconic. Yeah, and he comes in at the key moments and he says the right things at the right time and then he comes in at the right time as well. I think he's the one who started the adventure for Frodo and Bilbo as well. And Bilbo too, yeah. He, yeah. he, he set everything in motion. And what, like talking about how iconic the character is, I think it's really funny because I think a few years before um, Lord of the, the Lord of the Rings movies were a thing, there was actually a Friends episode where um, there was an episode about like Ross and Chandler's uh, friend from uh, a party friend from college was actually named Gandalf. Really? Uh, yeah, and I remember Joey. Okay, being I don't remember confused. that episode. I remember yeah. Joey being confused as to like who's Gandalf, and then like it was just because Ross and Chandler were nerds who read the Lord of the Rings. But now, if you ask someone who, if you said like you ask someone, do you know who Gandalf is? I'm pretty sure they're gonna say yes. Like even if they haven't watched Lord of the Rings. Like Gandalf is this wise wizard that, like, I think at this point everyone knows and is an icon. He is an icon, like I C O N. He is an icon. Like you shall not pass. You might not oh, yeah. see the movie, but you definitely have maybe heard a bunch of nerds referencing this scene and like tell like 
like uh, putting themselves in front of cars, telling them that they can't pass, saying that like everything that character does is pretty much an iconic moment. Every like like you said, one hand, like since every character has their moment to shine, like even though they aren't as iconic, I think the thing about Gandalf was that he was given like since he was shown on screen so few times, like every time he was on screen, it was to do something badass. It was mm-hmm. to do something awesome that would save the day. So I think that really shows like we we associate him with these super icon like super cool wizard moments, and that's why he's such an icon now. The Battle of Helm's Deep, by the way, one of the greatest film scenes ever. Um, it's actually think- one of the lo- I think it's one of the longest um, battle scenes too, until yeah. um, the Battle of Winterfell, I think, in Game of Thrones. I don't know if it's as long or if it's longer, but I know that the like for a, for a really long time. I, I'm not sure if it got, the record was broken, but the battle, the battle of Helm's Deep is the longest battle scene. Personally, having seen both, I think Helm's Deep is uh, is superior to to the definitely. Battle of Winterfell. Yeah, definitely. Especially since we could see what was happening in the Battle of Helm's Deep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, even then, you know, like minor characters like the elves, Theodrin, Grima Wormtongue. So all of these crazy characters, given that individuality that every single minor character gets, I think that's very special in three films. Really good job by Peter Jackson. And I would actually argue that Peter, they probably did better character work in um, the movies than they did in the the book series, in the trilogy, because the trilogy was so focused on um, really, dis- like, J.R.R. Tolkien was, like, the reason why I said that J.R.R. Tolkien's writing might not be for everyone is because he's very descriptive in descriptive, terms of, yeah. like, n- not a lot of action. So I, I feel like the, the, the places are beautifully described, but it might leave a little might be a little lackluster in terms of characters and, and character growth. And I think that the, the movies did a very good job of really like fleshing them out. Mm-hmm. So, I, so like, basically I think these movies come together. Like that, like there's a be- like a vibrant world, Vi- with, like character, with- like vibrant characters. I think yeah. the characters could stand alone. Like if you took them out of the films, they would be realistic, believable characters with, uh, with their own stories, with their own personalities. Mary and Pippin, they don't, again, they don't have much, that much screen time compared to the rest of the Fellowship. But I think if you took them out of the movies, you could make a whole spinoff just based on Mary and Pippin. They all have so much individuality and personalities. I think that's what makes all three movies so great. I think one of the like the final part, like the coup de grace, is the, the 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 one touch that makes the movies better, like memorable, like so iconic is also the the soundtrack because every iconic movie has and should have an amazing soundtrack because like the the music helps us transport us into the world. It helps trans like show how the characters are feeling. So I and like I think Howard Shore, the composer for the the Lord of the Rings soundtrack, made an absolutely beautiful score. Like it has some really iconic songs, uh, so and it's actually music I like to listen to while I'm studying or working, just because there's some songs that are so relaxing and so, like there's definitely like there's themes for different places, so it helps to like uh, set the mood. Characters get their own themes, like and there's a like a beautiful uh, like the the adventure gets its own uh, roaring theme song too. So I think like the the music really helps bring it all together and like pack like like the makes a beautiful gift ties ties it neatly in a bow because like I I, I love the music it's I, yeah I have- well I mean you know even like symphonies orchestras 
like I was I was part of a band uh, in high school, and then the Lord of the Rings score was always a favorite. There's a theme. Well, I wouldn't call it a theme song, but like a theme for every character. Yeah. Um. There's a the Rite of the Rohirrim. Uh, maybe uh, not every character, but there's well, still... not every character, but you know, like like for example, there's the, uh, the theme for the Shire to like the thing you hummed before where is yeah. it because i think yeah that it's got the magic touch to it and at the beginning of the fellowship there's that there's that music playing in the background like i like i i was telling you phil it sounds yeah. a little bit like like the godfather's theme um there's that little resemblance but either way you know the score is just fantastic one of my personal favorites is the nazgul theme like the 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 just how creepy, uh, how creepy and terrifying it is. Yeah. I, I would not try to sing it because it's way too high. <laughs> like it's very high pitched, but I think it really adds to the atmosphere, especially when Frodo gets stabbed in the um, the in the Fellowship of the Ring. Like when he's facing all the Nazgul, I, I think the the theme really helps create like the atmosphere of like there's a creepiness. It's scary. It's like they, it helps make the villains more uh, intimidating. Yeah, I mean, we could probably finish up by just addressing, like, the whole atmosphere of the movies. Personally, I think, at least in The Fellowship of the Ring, the whole, at the beginning, you do you remember when Sauron comes back and then Saruman sends out these black riders to kill Frodo? At that point, I felt so scared for Frodo because he was absolutely alone on his quest and he was so vulnerable. And I think that aspect of vulnerability really... Uh, shines in the first movie where we feel how helpless the the main characters are when the fellowship comes together um at the council of elrond that was one of my favorite scenes ever like in in film history i think when the when the council comes together and then gimli says and you have my axe legolas says and you have my bow and then you have my sword that was heartwarming um Uh, yeah i feel like like these scenes they all like come together neatly with the score the atmosphere i i feel like like the, I think oh, like there's so many technical elements to the how it was filmed that really helped make these scenes like with the atmosphere. Like I think in the Shire too, they played with the angles sometimes to of the like how they filmed the characters to make it look like to make more them look smaller, are more frightened, more uh, curled up. Yeah, I, honestly, like the, the guys, you need to go see these movies. We I, they they get my stamp of approval. Oh yeah, definitely. I think. My favorite trilogy ever. Like I said before, my favorite films, like you can't really count them, but I think Lord, The Lord of the Rings are definitely up there. And finally, it really makes me want to go see New Zealand where it was filmed because it just makes everything, it, it, it absolutely looks absolutely stunning. And I mean, now obviously I won't be able to go to New Zealand anytime <laughs> soon, probably. But I like it's one like Lord of the Rings has made it one of my I, places I really want to go. Just how beautiful the mountain, the mountains look, how the landscape looks. I want to, I want to go to Middle Earth on Earth. I, I think they have like a sightseeing tour in oh, New they, Zealand they, based on the Lord of the Rings like uh, filming locations. It's become, you know, it's it's gotten that marketing aspect to it. But I think I think that's wonderful. Like if I ever went to New Zealand, I want to go on one of those tours, you know. Um, yeah. But I mean, now in quarantine, you can't go anywhere. But 
watching a movie or reading a book really helps transport you to another universe when you can't leave the books or the movies take you away and i think the lord of the rings is a perfect way to do that so if you ever find yourself bored and you got like nine hours on your hands <laughs> watch the movies and then you'll you'll be transported to this whole other universe and you won't have to complain about being stuck at home because you'll be on an adventure in middle earth or or if like you, you're a re- you're a person who lives very fast-paced i guess you can just like watch an hour of the movie pause it and come back to it tomorrow like yeah. not ev- not everyone is able to watch three hours but you can watch at your own rhythm it's still amazing it's based on the book right so there's chapters so you can stop like you don't read the entire i mean you can't but you don't read the entire book in one sitting so if you want you can no, take yeah. a break stretch your legs walk around your living room a bit then sit back down and get right back to it because and well i think one hand and i we talked about it and we're sorry again for the hiatus uh, well we promise it will not be as long as it was before but we were talking about just we'll be watching a movie every week and then we'll be talking about our pot like we'll have some, some quarantine special episodes in store for you yeah for sure you want to you want to end up just stating your favorite character from the whole from the whole trilogy samwise gamgee samwise Don't i would even... go with i would go with Gollum. that's a that's a solid choice so oh and guys if you watch the movies feel free to text us who your favorite character is you know um like and subscribe comment below unless you're watching this on spotify so i have no idea how you can like well, and subscribe probably at probably some at some point in the future we'll upload on youtube <laughs> who knows we'll up- if, we, if we make we'll it an audio video uh, on youtube yeah probably uh behind the scenes in the studio with winhan and phil i, w- I would watch that i would watch <laughs> that. awesome so like phil said sorry about the hiatus but we're bringing back the nerds and next week we're the week after that we're gonna come at you with another film so until then stay safe <laughs>